Welcome to Backyard Philosophy, a podcast where a couple friends grab some cold ones, sit around the fire, and talk about science, philosophy, and history. Crack one open, sit back, and get a good laugh as we discuss everything from automation to why the meaning of life is 42. Right now, you can go on your phone and order some food. But if I dropped you in the middle of the jungle, you'd probably die. And right now, there are hundreds of untouched tribes that have never even had toilet paper. And they can build entire towns. Which begs the question, untouched tribes, should we study them, learn from them, interact with them, or just leave them alone? But before we get into this, Nick, how are you doing and what are you drinking? I'm doing great. I'm drinking some Rogue Colossal Klaus. It's an IPA leftover from a bunch of random beers we had lying around the house. What about you? I'm doing pretty good, and I'm drinking some Buffalo Trace. Once again, it just seems to be my go-to. But Nick, this is going to be a very puzzling question for me because part of me wants to touch an untouched tribe, and part of me wants to leave them alone, and I'm not quite sure what to do. I don't think anyone's sure. I haven't heard any good answers that we came across while researching this and part of the problem lies in just all the tiny little logistics even so we'll kind of talk about why contact is difficult with these people one many of them are so deep in the jungle that it's just unlikely they'll have contact with another person we know these tribes are there either from some kind of remote sensing like a drone flying over seeing structures you know as we map out the rainforest and stuff using all sorts of things we figure them out that way or tribes that we do know are out there tell us about these other tribes that we didn't know about previously and probably the most famous tribe would be the sentinelese they're kind of around new zealand-ish and they pretty much just kill everyone who comes near them they killed some missionaries who came and they killed some sailors who got shipwrecked there and they brought people from similar tribes to try and communicate with them and because they thought they would share a similar language and they still tried to throw spears at the other native people this is kind of a tribe after my own heart because it's leave me alone and get off my property the old grumpy man in me is is come to life through this tribe and for a tribe that's never studied or learned world history it seems not the worst thing to have a foreign agent come to your land and not want them there. It seems like uh, in history it hasn't worked out too well for other tribes, and somehow they're still alive. Yeah, so one of the things that we learned historically from multiple cultures meeting is diseases spread pretty easily because there's diseases that are bacteria and viruses that we have on our skin, body, right now that we aren't affected by at all but you transfer someone transfer some of them to someone's immune system who has never seen those viruses and it could easily kill them and vice versa yeah which i think that might be a good avenue to start off with is diseases the intermingle of diseases is kind of huge it's transformed the world and for a lot of these tribes they don't have interactions with modern things 
if I remember correctly, with Christopher Columbus coming to the United States or in the Americas, with the introduction of pigs brought swine diseases and such like that because pigs were not not native to those lands, so just flooded with diseases and wiped out entire people. And if we're having tribes deep in Brazil, the rainforest, the Congo, they're not they've not been touched by all these modern things what we call well what we call modern uh that transferring help our immune system yeah and so right now there's people out there who are in these tribes who are even dying of potentially easy cures from our medicine and we're going to get into it a little bit later but is that something that we might be obligated to you know help them out i mean a little antibiotics could could save someone's life I mm, see this is very curious to me. I that for medical treatment, I think it I think it's all context based. If a tribe member brings their child who's sick outside the tribe looking for secret help or seeking help, then we help them. But if they don't know we exist, the idea of getting involved is is really difficult. Granted, I don't want to see a person become sick and die, let alone a child become sick and die. But if we were to intervene and help them, that would change their entire society, the way they interact, their entire culture, beliefs. It's, I'm not quite sure what to do with this, Nick. What about you? What do you think for diseases? I think about it like this. So if we, right now, we'll say, let's just use cancer. It's a pretty broad one. If someone who was a human came down and gave us this, you know, pill that we could take and it would get rid of cancer. I mean, we would probably think that that person was like a god or something, right? Like came down in a spaceship, you know, a hel- like a helicopter or whatever, like however they got there, came out of nowhere wearing completely foreign clothes. I mean, it would probably change a lot of their world viewpoint, like instantly. Oh, and if you have nothing to compare it to, like um, science fiction books, TV, all those just kind of a blank slate on all that technology it's i would say almost overwhelming but sticking with the medical i i'm don't know if leaving medical supplies for them to find is also a good idea so like kind of getting the best of both worlds of not touching them but if they happen to find this medicine that you left let them use it that still seems intermingling it's it's so weird how they're humans and we always want to help humans but because they're so for lack of better words pure we don't want to touch them right it's like it's almost like the best thing we can do is not help them but at the same time now granted there's a lot of people who we can help without even getting to these tribes i'm not saying that i'm just saying it's not like it's it would be so easy i mean you could go in there and you could probably prolong their life expectancy by 10 years at least. I feel like that's probably pretty reasonable. Oh, yes. I imagine a lot of deaths caused by uh, on these untouched tribes. Because I, I don't know about you, Nick, but I saw a very common theme where the last of the untouched tribes still in the world are all pretty much jungle slash rainforest based. I don't know if you saw the similar things come across your research. Yeah, that's what I saw as well very hard to get to yeah very hard to get to and for those who don't know there are a lot of creatures diseases fungi 
bacteria, disease, just a lot of things live in the jungle. So I imagine the average lifespan in, I don't know, I'm just going to make an educated guess, say uh, a lost tribe in the Brazil, maybe the elders get to an age about 50 or 60. Because, I mean, that's, I mean, granted, that's still pretty high. Uh, I mean, hard living, not necessarily the best diet, completely exposed to the elements kind of constantly. I mean, don't get me wrong, humans can overadapt and survive just about everything. But that's got to grind on your body and get to you. So the diseases one's really interesting to me because just a couple, couple penicillin could change the entire game. Yeah, and and it's and so it's kind of like, do we just let these people? That's the thing. It's like to help them, I guess, to help their culture survive, we have to kind of let them expire from totally preventable things and a lot of you know i'm just i don't know this for sure but i do know a lot of the reasons that people died before you know like modern medicine and stuff back not before modern medicine like before agriculture was loss of teeth so something as simple as toothpaste you know with that comes dental hygiene but keep the longer you keep your teeth the longer you can can eat and the longer you can live yeah i just God, I didn't even think about that or come across that. Of if you, I mean, everything's harder. If you break a bone, it, your life's gonna suck, and you better hope your tribe members can help you. If you lose teeth, that means your diet significantly changes for a place where you're already kind of scarce with food. I, I don't know about you, Nick, but in my mind, I don't think I've ever seen an untouched tribe or a tribe member who's fat, because that is that seems to be hard living and a lot of food to mouth, or. A lot of hand-to-mouth food. No, I, I don't think so. I don't think I have either. It'd be pretty hard to do. But if I can add on to the diseases part, because this is, I kind of join these together, is childbirth and their death rate. I, I mean, giving birth has always been a risky thing throughout all of time, and a lot of nature, a lot of animals in nature are still dying from it. It's, it's a dangerous thing to give birth. And part of me just goes, let them keep their traditions. But if they have a death-birth rate ratio where only one out of two children survive, maybe intervene. Because at that time, you're just throwing away human lives just to study a culture that you may or may not benefit from. It seems... It seems like selling our soul for the possibility of information at that point. And something as simple as, you know, making sure the mother's getting proper medicine or even just proper food to help raise the birth and death rate. I think humans might have to intervene in that situation. So that makes sense. Only intervene if there's an issue that could cause a collapse in the society. Yes, I, I'm i very happy how you worded that because I came across some articles where people were saying that we should intermingle with these untouched tribes because they're not sustainable. And I'm going to call that's bullshit right there. If they were not sustainable, they still wouldn't exist. Now, granted, they might fracture and probably dozens have disappeared throughout the earth without us knowing, but they still wouldn't be around if they weren't somewhat sustainable. Granted, if 
inbreeding becomes common, maybe intervene there. But uh, I I agree, we agree with your statement, Nick, of if the tr- if the untouched tribe becomes unsustainable within its own self, help them live, help them stay afloat. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it. Because that way, you know, we're, you know, staying away. But if we'll come in and help if they really need it, like a Hail Mary, we're the last shot. We don't want the entire culture just disappear in the history books because we decided not to do anything. So what about other things that we could teach them? Obviously, you know, we talked about medicine and stuff, but what about like agriculture? Like would, should we teach them how to farm or at that point, is that just like the same as assimilation? So I was happy you went to agriculture because I was heading that direction. Uh, in my mind, I kind of think of uh, New Guinea when colonists kind of came across New Guinea and were teaching them and showing them things because uh, New Guinea was having kind of an overpopulation, harder to feed their, their people at this point. And granted, it's still hard, hard living, but because they can farm their death ratio has gone down which is i mean i'm always a big fan of less humans dying which is weird because sometimes i <laughs> i'm not sometimes i hate humans but i don't i think if the what i came across with agriculture which i kind of agreed upon was if we're slowly advancing into that untouched tribes territory try to bring them into the fold rather than kind of isolate them or kind of shove them away because i don't know about you nick i saw a lot of tribes uh, again a lot of tribes were all kind of rainforest based but most of the untouched tribes are somewhere in the amazon rainforest from what i could tell by my research and the amazon's getting deforested more land going for lumber more land going for agriculture that's affecting i imagine the entire ecosystem so when untouched tribes are on the edge of someone's farm because that farm just kept advancing. I think at that point it's, you have to bring them in or else they're going to get displaced and die. Yeah, that's a good point. And, uh, so you have, so the government of those countries is responsible for, you know, regulating the logging as, as well as trying to preserve these people. But like you said, a lot of these people aren't found in, like first world countries there's a lot of corruption and just crime that goes on and a lot of that deforesting of the amazon that's like people going in and stealing someone else's lumber from the state or or somewhere so regulation really isn't going to solve that so you're really going to need you know the government to kind of do something you know and not not that they're doesn't seem like they're not they're trying i know the government brazil is trying to stop some of that deforestation but at this point it's kind of like you know, sticking your finger in a dam, you know, there's there's not that much that you can do. So yeah, so there is some, some responsibility on our end since we are causing, you know, their quote unquote habitat to to collapse, just like, you know, all those other animals and things that live out in the woods. When you take the woods away, they still got to live somewhere or they got to die. Luckily, humans can start farming and don't just, you know, disappear. But, uh, you know, something, there's, between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, that's for sure. And sticking with farming for a bit, the rainforest, I imagine, has got to be a hard place to 
farm because there's lots of trees kind of everywhere blocking the ground floor so it's kind of hard to grow a crop and i imagine you'd have to cut down kind of a patch in order to do that and that i mean if you're cutting down a bunch of trees with just manual tools that's hard to do granted if done over a long time it's easy but that's it just seems like it's hunt it's easier to just hunt and gather and another big thing for me is what native species can grow in that environment that you can farm because this again if we're just looking at like the congo india islands or or the rainforest this is hard environment for plants to grow and i don't i don't see many plants that are native to that area surviving human farming and I want to make sure I clarify this. I don't think we should ever introduce non-native plants for them to farm. If we were going to teach a tribe to farm, it should only be plants found in that local area. Yeah, the tropics is out of my wheel realm, um, but you could bring in cattle. That also seems like a very risky move, but it might have to be. I mean, cattle needs quite a bit of land to roam and i don't think it would survive in the rainforest on if i well that's what all the all the trees are getting cut down in the amazon they're turning that ground into pasture well there there you go maybe maybe we switch them to instead of traditional farming like um like fish farms we teach them how to do fish farms like a rotation yeah i I think I think that's even more complicated than uh, it's kind of like starting out playing Halo on Legendary. Like that's a uh, it's kind of tough. <laughs> well, listen if if they're able to survive in for generations deep in the Amazon rainforest with no other connection, I definitely wouldn't put it past them of going. Hey, you do this, you get more food. I imagine. Their work ethic is through the roof. I can't. I can't even imagine how hard of workers these people are. Yeah. Well, isn't it? Uh, don't indigenous like? I don't know what the right term would be. Hunter gatherer societies only need to work about four hours a day. They are much better hunters than I am. That's for sure. Then. Well, yeah, I think so. But <laughs> then, then probably most of us most of anybody um when it's when it's your life on the line you got to get good and when you do something for you know thousands of hours you get good at it you know when you do something for like most hunters probably the average american hunter maybe maybe hunts for 15 days a year you know a lot of people only go out for like a single season maybe a week or so some people be hunting you know pretty much year round but 15 days a year is I would guess an average. That's not enough time to really, you know, know everything. But if you're out there for four hours a day, most days of your life, yeah, you're going to get pretty good at it, I imagine. Yeah, born into it. I know for some ancient tribes, I imagine it's the same for Virginia's tribe, where the parents would hunt the bigger game and the kids would try to hunt smaller game. So if the parents went out to hunt some birds, the kids would try to hunt lizards. So at least they always have some type of meal at the fire. Interesting. 
yeah, you're like you said, it's it's a from birth your entire life, and you know it's not just hunting. You know, I'm sure they, there's it's the rainforest. There's a lot of plants. I'm sure there's a bunch of plants to eat, insects as well. It's more of knowing how to get food or where what what you can and can't eat than anything. Um, what about farming insects or smaller game? I imagine there's got to be snakes that you can farm or giant centipedes you can farm or i don't know ant colonies you can farm well the problem with that is i think all those animals are territorial like ants will fight other ants unless it's the same like uh i don't know colony i think is the word well i mean all right let's just look at so you um, can't like keep them contained because they just kill each other Okay, well then let's look at just snakes then. Obviously, if it's a wild snake in the Amazon rainforest, I'm going to assume it is pissed off at me, dangerous, and doesn't want to be tamed. But I would say that's the same for every agricultural animal that now exists today. It's just selective breeding, and you just continuously do it. Like, I, I know there are some tribes, and I believe it's Central America, they keep hamsters or whatever is native to that area. It might not be hands. It might be guinea pigs. It's probably guinea pigs. They keep guinea pigs alive in their huts because the guinea pigs will help them notify if jaguars are nearby. So if we're able to do that, I mean, you, if we could turn wolves into pugs, why can't we turn guinea pigs into the size of a llama? Yeah, we can just use llamas, right? They're somewhere down there, I think. Not the rainforest, but um yeah i think alpacas do that too if you put a alpaca out with like a bunch of goats and stuff it'll fight off like cougars and stuff it's pretty cool did not i think you told me that but i didn't i still don't remember that you and cougars you have an interesting problem nick yeah probably a similar problem to these people so getting getting big cats to leave me alone so i'm sure those predators are trying to uh you know, also putting a dent in their prey. What if we... What, all right, so let, let me give you a hypothetical. This might be a little bit off topic, but I, I think it's kind of interesting with medicine and food. What if we had a tribe that was solely either losing its territory or kind of is forced to interact with humans? But what happens if we were able to start off by doing trade with them? So we seem less foreign. Because I feel like trade is very universal. I give you something, you give me something in return. So we could trade like their native plants for medicine. Or, I don't know, uh, exotic animals that they catch for food. How would how do you feel about if we are forced to interact with them? Our first interactions is first trying to figure out trade. Rather than try to teach them something. Rather, whether it be agriculture or rather just full-on give something where they become dependent on us kind of have their independency still but still help them yeah i think that's the way to do it i mean you could even what you'd probably start out doing because you're trying to are you trying to just uh i guess is your objective to slowly bring them into the fold of society or to provide them with something that will help them with their stay as independent as they can but help them out of whatever situation they're in I guess my self-conscious is going, there are people who need help. We should help them. But at the same time, I want to keep them. For some reason, I don't know why there's a stigma of 
our current culture being unpure and like untouched tribes being pure because untouched tribes will come across another tribe and just wreck them just slaughter them all like there are definitely tribes that do that so this the whole unpure pure thing i have no idea where it comes from in psychology and it's definitely affected me but i feel like that's the best of both worlds where i can still help someone but i still don't take away their independence it's all i for lack of better words it's like it's like interacting with your grandparents where they can't help you do all the things but they can help you with something and it helps them feel more useful it helps them interact helps them contribute it it kind of gives me that feeling trading with an with a newly discovered or newly contacted tribe yeah because i was thinking so like if we're just trying to give them something like some medicine or something you could trade that because a lot of these tribes have tribes that we are in contact with that will interact with that tribe as well so you'd have to kind of trust them but you could give that trade them something trade them something to trade to the uncontacted tribe but yeah because even i mean a lot of these like you said like it's it is like a it's like a first contact you know like how do you initiate a first contact i mean first off language barrier so you're gonna have to find someone maybe like like we said another tribe that we do have contact with to act as a translator and then i mean to explain what's going on like how do you explain like hey there's some people who are you know just bulldozing all the might be different looking might different colors might be have different clothes might might have like shaking uh, something as simple as shaking someone's hand might mean something completely different in their tribe in their tribe not to mention the bacteria on your hand might might end up killing them and, may, and maybe the other way around too <laughs> i mean you'd have to have you know your six foot distancing nick don't say that that makes me sad um <laughs> i know but uh but yeah i mean you'd, you'd be telling them something that's completely like out of their realm of understanding possibly like we talked about with the rainforest being you know cut down and turned into cattle grounds and just by by criminals um i mean how do you explain there's this giant metal contraption that's just you know cutting down logs breathing black smoke and having a weird roaring noise and it's gonna cut it's gonna get, get rid of all this land around your village so you're gonna have to move like obviously the easiest thing to do would you know be to stop that habitat from getting destroyed but they've been i don't know quote unquote trying (laughs) i don't know how this what the state of that exactly is but it doesn't seem like it's working so do we as a society say hey this might be a this might be a a rainforest issue (laughs) more than a uncontacted tribe issue so it really seems like it'd be easier just to stop stop the cutting but to do that so the reason they're doing that is because there's no jobs available anywhere else and so that's the only way they can make money and people are going to you know provide for their families over starving i guess so for then you have to figure out why there's no jobs in brazil which is getting way off topic i guess yeah i but here's a hypothetical situation about trade mike so say you're going to trade, we're going to trade, we've established that this is a good idea, hypothetically, and you're going to trade them some antibiotics to treat a disease that's running around their village. And we offer them the antibiotics, 
as a, you know, we'd, we'd like to give it to them, but as a gesture, they, uh, you know, they have to give us a gift too, because that's how humans work. What happens when they offer us like a person, like a slave? Maybe. All right. Stay with me. This is kind of long winded. Maybe we take them and tell them that they'll be ours. But in fact, we take them into our world and we teach them our culture. And that's the bridge when we bring them back in between both. So they're kind of like the astronaut for their tribe meeting aliens. Where they're the ones going out. They're the ones learning, seeing the world, coming back, and then telling their tribe about it. Because it's easy. I, I Again, it's I can't imagine what it feels like to not know the knowledge we know imagine all you knew were the trees and animals around you nothing else not that people look different not that there are all these different animals not that you might not even know an ocean exists uh not you might not even know snow or ice exists you might not know all these things and then you get introduced to these world one they might get shell-shocked but if they're able to overcome that and come back that might be a great catalyst to help that tribe get introduced into quote-unquote modern society yeah that is an oddly specific answer to my question (laughs) what do you think we should do then nick no i don't know (laughs) i I don't know it's more a question of more i guess morality of after reading about some some of these tribes and listening to how people talk about them when tribes that are uncontacted like this or even that we know about practice things that are obviously bad like from our society's viewpoint we give them a pass like there's tribes that eat people you know and they for not out of uh you know hatred but because they believe when they start acting like this way if they're a witch uh kind of paraphrasing here that they're uh, a, a devil or of some kind that the only way to remove the devil from the tribe is to eat that person. And everyone's just like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, that's what you do. And it's like... It's standard in their culture, but not ours. Right. And so, but, so there's that. And then you got like, you know, I'm sure some of these tribes still go out, like you said, get in fights with other tribes. It's like, it seems to me that we give them we don't judge them by our moral system we judge them by they can do no wrong system like if if uh you know someone in russia went and ate a bunch of people we would be like oh well he's a bad guy but if they do it in this culture it's like well that's that's just their culture and it's not a perfect example because i'm 90% sure well most Unless things get really bad in Russia, which they often do, <laughs> they don't eat people. <laughs> Nick, I was going to say, if it's a Russian eating a bunch of people, that's not a Russian. That's just a polar bear with a hat. Aren't all Russians just polar bears? <laughs> that was, yeah. <laughs> all right. So, but what, like, another big thing for me, too, for something I think is wrong but for some, again, we turn, like you said, Nick, turn a blind eye to is these tribes are small in population. They don't have enough people to have a large gene pool. So I imagine when they come to another tribe and they see other women, they either trade for the women, kill the other tribe and take the women, or just 
rape the women to just you know get the more genetics to get more bloodline to in it's kind of what all human ancestors did until quite recently and that's horrible and wrong but because it's such a untouched tribe it's almost like an ancient it almost like it's it, for lack of better words in lack of better description like a child like oh they're just they're just uncultured they're just children they're that's just the way it was back in the time and it's just the way in that it's just so weird i don't i i feel like there's a special german word for this that i do not know oh uh, there there definitely is a special german word for this i don't know it either but no it 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 is like that though because you start making like oh well you know they're just not part of our society so they don't know that's wrong but we judge other societies for doing things that we think are wrong as long as they're somewhat in our world like you know north korea they do a lot of terrible things but that's just their society so is that okay and that's a not probably not the best comparison but it's like where do we draw the line of different and similar yeah like let me give you a hypothetical nick you have a tribe that you are observing from afar with a telescope drone whatever and you see a tribe, meet another tribe, and that tribe kills people. I imagine, Nick, and I, I, I want you to answer this, that you, you go, well, that's just kind of the situation. It's rival tribe versus rival tribe. Am I correct in the th- this thinking of that's how you would think? Yeah. Okay. Now adding on to that. I mean, that's how it's been for thousands of years. Yeah. That's how it still is today, even in the f- civilized world. New skin, different name. I completely agree with you. But now, say, going back to this being possessed situation in the tribe it's a child and you're watching i don't know if i could idly stand by and watch a child get killed because the tribe has the lack of knowledge of knowing what's wrong with a child whether it be some type of disease or like how the spartans used to throw their sick and unhealthy babies off a cliffside i don't know if i could stand aside and watch that happen if that was happening in modern society where i was viewing it through a camera and i had the means to change that i don't know if i could just stand there and watch them kill a child who might get who might have malaria and they just don't know what malaria is they just think it's that child is possessed so they need to kill him would you what would you do in that situation i mean i'd hope i'd try and help somehow but yeah i mean it's weird because and so this kind of Okay, so I, there's a point that you touched up that I wanted to hit upon that I kind of made me think about something. So these tribes that are contacted or uncontacted, they have to interact with other people to maintain some kind of genetic diversity to survive, whether that be through trade or warfare. They need to change the gene pool. And so... Yeah, I I want to... This might be jumping way far ahead, but I want to... I came up with a dumb idea... That I call, oper- oh God, what I had a really funny name. It was like Operation Toucan or something like that, where you do kind of quote unquote random acts of God, where you don't intervene, but say they're about to murk a kid because he's sick and they don't understand why. Well, you have a loudspeaker hidden somewhere, and you just blast a really loud note and kind of throw them off their game, or they're, I don't know about to I, I well i can't use it for the rival tribes because i agree with you nick that we shouldn't probably intervene if we're gonna 
not mess with their gene pool, but are I I I don't know for some reason kind of conditioning and training like if we're invading their land through deforestation bulldozers and they start doing something that's probably gonna get them killed like interacting with say the first time they accidentally discover a firearm and they're playing with it we should probably stop that but if we want to keep them independent we shouldn't just run in there and go no 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 like this person that they don't understand that dresses really differently waving their hands frantically yelling at them it's probably not going to go over well but if we add like a, a jaguar roar in the distance they might kind of quit matata just might kind of have no worries don't worry about it we're just gonna put this item down and we're gonna leave that's just what we're doing kind of that conditioning to get an intermingle between both worlds yeah i mean so it's essentially intervention through non-intervention it's a, it's a, yes. just a it's a really slow assimilation to our culture. Well, I think I think that's eventually what's going to happen to all tribes. I think we're going to discover eventually every corner of this earth, and there's going to be nowhere else for humans to hide. Yeah, I mean it's it is. I know we talked about it at the beginning, but it is crazy that right now we're talking to each other across a country, and there's people who. Like you said, never used toilet paper, never seen a cell phone, never heard of like a TV. I mean, I have ice in my glass right now. <laughs> like, can you just try trying to imagine? Like, yeah, I go, I go to this silver box, and I hit this button, and fresh, clean, frozen water comes out. I mean, we have clean drinking water coming out of multiple places in just our dwelling, not. For the town, just just our house, it 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 is insane. Oh, it is insane. And if we were to show an untouched tribe this, do you think they would want that, or do you think we'd be fooling them, or do you think they wouldn't like our culture at all and try to revert back to theirs? Okay, so glad you brought that up. So when I forget exactly when, but kind of the you know beginning of the. I want to say 20th century anthropologists went and lived with a lot of, you know, tribes that maybe they had seen, you know, I guess what you call quote unquote civilized people before, like modern for that time people are, but probably not like regularly interacted with them. And what they found is that these societies were drastically happier. Now I'm kind of thinking that might be, I don't know if that was like a thrown off because I mean, imagine if, like, some alien came to you and just started giving you a bunch of free shit. You'd be like, this is awesome. This is, like, the best day. And he spent, like, a week with you. It'd all be pretty exciting, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. But what they did find all over is that these societies tended to be, they thought that they were happier than modern societies. So we could bring them, we could give them all these great things that we have, but would they be happier? I mean... The little science we have says that people are happier living like that. I agree with that, that people are, for the most part, happier with that. But I think there are different levels of happiness. I imagine, I, I Nick, you mean you both can testify this. After a hard day's work and you have some cold water when, you, when you're so thirsty, your lips are dry. That water, oh my God, it's so good. It's, it's so tasty it's the best thing in the world you're happy when you have 
I'll one-up you a cold Gatorade. I'm allergic. No, awkward. Moving on. Not some some quality H2O. So, so that's that's Gatorade. Gatorade. I'm going way off topic. I I love Adam Sandler movies. But I imagine it's because your quality of life isn't that high that every little thing seems like a blessing, which is a good thing. We should we definitely and I would say modern culture take things way too for granted, way too things for take things for granted and having the hardship in your life makes it you appreciate the things more. But if you're barely scraping tooth and nail, you don't really get to have the full level of happiness. Uh, it's if your life sucks, little things make you happy. If your life's pretty good, it takes big things to make you happy. If your life's full of everything you could ever want, stuff like that, that gets boring because there's no there's no comparison. Like you can't have good without evil. You can't have evil without good. So I think it's a little bit of a mixture. Yes, they're happier. But I don't think their level of happiness is higher than the level of a person who's happy in modern culture. I think that's a really good point, Mike. I, that, uh, yeah, generally they're happier, but the heights, you know, it's kind of like maybe it's how people say, you know, the way you look at the world before and after kids, where before kids your emotional range is like a plus five to negative five. But after kids, your emotional range is like a plus 10 to negative 10. Might be like the same thing. Yeah. And I imagine also the lows have got to be much lower than... I'm curious about the lows because if I say I get in a car accident and I get some bones broken, that would mean death in some areas. So that would be everyone would mourn for me. Everyone would be sad. Be like, yeah, I'm, I'm dead. I'm it's my life's gonna suck i'm gonna get face a painful death and then die but if that happens i don't know going to work i'm probably be fine and what's gonna take the hospital patch me up yeah the medical bills are gonna suck but i'm not scared of morality or death of simple things it kind of i think that's a good thing and a bad thing and i'm not quite sure where i stand with it with a tribe because like an untouched tribe that doesn't have medicine or something like that they might have their own methods but if something bad happens to them that's just kind of it and i imagine the whole tribe's gotta be very kind of sad and that those i mean if you're that small if you're a small tribe everyone's gonna be tight-knit everyone's gonna be friends everyone's gonna know i mean you have to know each other everyone's gonna be like a one big family so imagine every time someone dies you lose a family member and if your lifespan isn't that long you're losing family members more often your lows have got to be really low. Like you have no really support base. Or maybe because everyone's mourning with you, your support base is better. I'm not quite sure. I don't know. I'm kind of rambling on here, Nick. No, you're good. I I think it wouldn't affect them as much. I think death is a much more common part of their life than it is our life. Ooh, I like that. I can think about that. And so the other thing is maybe they're, they're happier for their life, but say their lifespans, that's say like average 37 years i feel like that's a good wild guess does being happier for 37 years is that better and this is just a completely hypothetical question being better than happier for what's the average lifespan like 69 years in the united states it's i think it's 79 for males 82 for females oh, yeah i was way off 
but uh yeah i mean how do you how do you decide quantity versus quality but i would make the counter argument that you have the you have more opportunity in modern culture than an untouched tribe to have a better quality life so you have the potential for a higher quality life but with an untouched tribe where it's kind of that traditional bonfire lifestyle you have a higher chance of quality i would say that those are how the odds work off in my head yeah i don't know i mean i think it's tough it's tough to say i mean and that's not a decision that it's a decision that i think it'd be better if they could make for themselves but how do you but to even broach the subject you'd already have to make part of that decision for them you know break that fourth wall well kind of adding on to that and kind of going back to the beginning a little bit i want to ask you nick before i answer this question why do you think we want to observe untouched tribes so i think we want to learn from them so like i said not only their just genetic code but how they interact can and how they live their life how many hours a day they go hunting how many hours a day they go fishing i mean hypothetically would i go to that kind of life if i could fish for eight hours a day I don't know. It's it's tempting. But uh but Nick, no beer. No, most people most uncontacted tribes have some form of alcohol that they brew. Never mind, I stand corrected. But yeah, no whiskey though. Ooh. Man, trade-offs. Ooh. Um but uh yeah, I mean we want to learn from them just as much as they want to learn from us. And then one thing that I found out that was I thought pretty surprising the people who really want to get into those uncontacted tribes are uh, like medicine companies because they want to know what medicine they've been using. That's jumping a little far ahead. I want to come back to medicine, but I want to, I want to, I... So what do you think that we're, why do we want to interact with them so much? Well, before I get to that, I want to, you made me think of something that I want to, I want to touch on is we want to learn how all these tribes have their day-to-day life. But if all these tribes are living in similar areas, now granted, Amazon rainforest is huge, so similar areas is kind of a broad statement. But let's just say there are two, and uh, this is complete out of my ass. Take this with a grain of salt. Two untouched tribes within a hundred miles of each other. I imagine they're going to have pretty similar lifestyles. So why do we have to untouch both of them? Why do we have to observe both of them equally? Why, why can't we just observe one? And transfer the knowledge to others. Do we need that big of a study group? And what I think we do is simply because we want to see what humans look like without technology. As much as the internet, Google, electricity has all, I think, overall benefited society, I think humans long and romanticized a day of past where we didn't have technology. And I think our romanticism for that wants us to preserve, again, that purity, that that golden age of human history of we were hunters and gatherers around the bonfire telling stories and just that kind of that kind of romance of uh, of our ancestors we want to preserve. But I think nostalgia is kind of dangerous, and I don't know if nostalgia is necessarily the right reason to do this but i would say that's the main reason we do it is one to study to learn which i would argue we could learn more if we interacted with them and they taught us this uh, their their methods their ways than just simply observing them from afar but i think the main reason comes down to nostalgia 
Yeah, I think you're right. And so I guess one of the question, I guess one of the answers would be, you know, right now, so why do we have to see what they're all doing? We could just look at a few, you know, better sample size never hurt. But uh, so I think that's part of it. But I mean, this is one of those, this damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? (laughs) Because, okay, so say we go in and we help these people live, live a longer life, however we do it. And then people say, oh, man, like you went and just completely destroyed these people's cultures. If you don't do anything and these people die of completely preventable diseases, it's like, how can you let these people die? Some of you are living in million dollar homes and there's people dying of, you know, the flu, like something completely preventable or people dying in, in childbirth when they don't need to. I mean, it's like either way, like you're there's there's really no winning here. It's more just a fun moral game. I guess, because, I mean, the easy, I mean, it's almost easier, you know, the easiest path is often the wrong one, but it's almost easier to just ignore the problem and let it go away because <laughs> you, you can't win with this. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you can win this, but I don't know if there's a way to lose in this either. I think it's, it's just a trade-off. But I mean, I think losing might be not interacting with them or you're just studying them in some way of seeing how humans who live like that actually live like legitimately live and to trying to do it as non-invasively as we can because like i said some scientists go and bring in a bunch of gifts introducing himself and then saying wow all these people are really happy you know bring a case of beer to my house and you'll get the same reaction <laughs> but you know when we go and study them, then we know more about where we came from and just how we lived. But is it right to just use them as like, a, you know, guinea pigs, essentially? Nick, that is perfect into my transition of what you mentioned a little bit earlier with medicine. I think another major reason why we don't want to interact with these untouched tribes is greed. We are using them as lab rats of figuring out what works, what doesn't work, what the human body is capable of, what the human body is not capable of, like experimentation through observation. And with medicine, what did they use and what plant is that so we could grab that and maybe use it somewhere else? I Guinea pigs and greed seem to be a part that could be a major part of why we don't want to interact with untouched tribes granted our hearts might be in the right place i want to keep them their own society but there's always a bigger game afoot well yeah oftentimes if your heart's in the right place it might not be the best course of action it seems like with humans i don't know how many times we've done something because our heart's in the right place but it didn't work out yeah but i again i see you know someone again i would I'm very curious on the psychology of a person who wants to meet or the psychology of the person who does meet untouched tribes. Like you got to be the coolest, most relaxed person ever able to read all the body languages. And to do that is crazy. I imagine their heart's in the right place, but like a company or an expedition that's funding that might be like, Hey, if you see what plant they're using, let us know, you know, can't, I mean, can't, can't hurt. We might get more medicine. Might, hey, you might help save more lives. Or just like with an untouched tribe of, hey, they're in this condition with this parasite. How does the human body react? 
or they're in this climate and they need to do this and this to survive. Okay, so we can use this for this technology. Okay, they're using these tools to cut down this tree so we can make this more efficient. It might, it really does seem like they might be able to reverse engineer a untouched tribe to make modern technology better. So it might be agreed. I don't know. It's just an idea that I had. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we have to find Indiana Jones because he's the perfect candidate to do that. Dr. Jones. Or, uh, oh my gosh, what's the guy, Bodhi? The other guy speaks 11 different languages, can blend in everywhere. <laughs> Got lost in his own museum. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be that with, with, I mean, I feel like there's always going to be that with everything. You can do good, but someone's trying to benefit and so we're just trying to steer clear of that whole situation so we don't be, we're not the people. We don't get the blame. We get involved in that. We don't get the blame, yeah. Nick, let me ask you another hypothetical. Mm-hmm. You have an untouched tribe, right? They have some root that they grind up and brew into a tea and drink that helps them with a certain disease that is plaguing majority of the earth in order to... Well, not not plaguing, but perhaps affecting large people. It's not. It's a non-lethal disease, but it makes a lot of people's lives discomfortable. Would you go in and kind of touch this untouched tribe and kind of break that barrier in order to help millions of other people be non-uncomfortable? It won't save their lives. This is a non-deadly disease, but it's an it's a disease that makes us uncomfortable. Is that justified to break the barrier of an untouched tribe? When one, when does one life matter compared to the lives of thousands, I guess, is kind of the question I'm asking. Yeah, that's a good question. This is exactly why I don't want to be a politician, so I don't have to make hard decisions like this. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, that's a good question. Um, it's It's tough because you're not saving a life, right? You're preventing discomfort. Yeah, like uh, say like um, arthritis. Ooh, they have man, a root. Yeah, that would be that's a tough one because that's you're just improving quality of life, you know, and you, and so just changing these people's lives forever. Justify the just offset. Justify it, man. I mean, honestly, I I probably would for arthritis. Yeah, I probably would too. <laughs> because f- for arthritis, because. People, it, it shuts people's lives down prematurely, right? Like, you can't do all the things that you used to do, so you still get to live, but you can't operate like you used to. You can't go out and do all the stuff you used to do, so it shuts your life down earlier than you you'd thought. You're still alive, but your quality of life isn't as good. So I, I think I would, but I wouldn't want to be the guy who makes <laughs> that decision because... Because what if it? What if you think it is, and you go in there, and it's not, and then you just you fucked it all up, and now, you, see, here's the thing: like if you did that and you did cure arthritis, you'd be a hero. If you did that and you didn't cure arthritis, you'd be public enemy <laughs> number one. Yeah, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Again, so I don't know if you came across this in your research, but because I didn't think about looking it up until now, but is there an organization that? Gets to decide who goes to intermingle with an untouched tribe, or is that like a country based? Or I don't know the rules and ethics 
oh not the ethics the the rules of engagement for an outsider meeting an untouched tribe i was wondering if you came across it at all um so i as i understand it it's each country has their own rules about it but there's a lot of uh like charities who kind of do things to help uncontacted tribes like i came across this one it's called like survival international a lot and uh they you know do stuff to kind of make it so that it's basically keep people from contacting these people um but i but i don't know it's not like an official one it's just like a a third party i think most of the time it's the government has a lot to do with it like i know in india and uh what's the other one there's another one that they kind of patrol that but they don't always do the best job so that's where these third parties come in okay so that they're kind of setting the barrier but i'd be curious nick if you're if you are being sent in or you're sending someone else in how would you tell them to treat the situation and i'll be honest for me i probably have a sniper somewhere in the trees for that person or myself you like hey if they decide just to kill me mark them yeah <laughs> um so that's a, <laughs> a little dark but kind of true yeah there that's like uh there's the, the tribe in india i think it's the the jarwa i have no idea how to say that is that the one in sri lanka uh it's on an island yeah i believe that's the one. okay um is that the one where they killed the the, uh, the poachers priest oh i'm thinking about like the, different the different p no that's the sentinelese ah, ah. It's a it's amazing how many times the untouched tribes kill religious people. I find it I feel like there's a joke somewhere that needs to be written. Um no, but no these guys they're like pretty peaceful. Like there's a road that they India built through their land and they'll come up and people will like essentially it's like a safari, but it's like you're not allowed to take pictures, you know, but everyone does. And you're not supposed to be doing it like to go and see these people, but obviously everyone does. But they'll come up and like they're not killing anyone. But then these poachers came and they were killing these hogs that they hunted. And these poachers killed a bunch of these hogs. So they had to switch to deer, which they had never eaten deer. And that's something that I think is crazy that, well, one, like you live in the woods and they've never eaten deer that are plentiful. But just the it seems a lot of these their diet seems pretty static like they eat the same thing over and over again you know like not that it's necessarily the same meal but they eat pig with like every meal which is kind of foreign to us but and they just killed them and they were talking to this guy they're like yeah these these people were killing the pigs so we killed them all and it was just like nothing like he's like like you you just said it like it wasn't even a thing you know, like he I'll be didn't even care. And I was like, oh, man, that's right. Because these people are used to, you know, fighting to survive. Killing another person isn't like it's the way we don't look at it the same way here. Honestly, I was kind of on the side of the un, like the untouched tribe there. I didn't bet. I'm like, well, yeah, you're you're fucking with my food that it's going to go on my family's plate. I no hesitation. You're you're my territory and you're eating my food fuck off well i was more like man i feel like now the government like i I wouldn't they don't know not to admit to a crime on camera mike that was (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah i forget about that i forget there's this thing called laws but yeah 
so it's just like yeah i mean all these tribes who are peaceful you're just one mistake away now granted not saying we should go and kill all their pigs and be like why did you kill me but i mean you never know (laughs) if you poke a hornet's nest you don't ask the hornets why he got stung yeah i don't know it's almost like every untouched tribe is a case-by-case scenario there's no really good answer because some tribes are like you know what you seem cool we'll interact with you other tribes were well when you send a, a priest to try to convert them into your religion they just murk you maybe kind of leave them alone but also i kind of get it no one likes solicitors so sorry that was just a bad joke i i couldn't resist i appreciate that though put them on the old do not call list all these different methods that they have again i don't see them being that different and i see us learning more for interacting with them rather than just watching them but again, I it just depends on the tribe. Some tribes would probably be eager to have help. Other tribes would be like, I don't know what you are. We're going to just mark you or we're just going to run away or we're just never going to avoid you. Which also begs the question, Nick. I don't know about you, but I saw for some of my um, untouched tribes, they tend to be more semi-nomadic where they kind of have an area they wander in but they don't necessarily stay one spot all year round is that something similar to the tribes you saw yeah yeah i think that's similar because i think if you're at that point of where you're staying in one spot you're like working up to you know agriculture and at that point meeting another tribe like because most of these tribes not all of them but most of them may have have contact with the tribe who does have contact with us so i feel like by that there might be some like more willing to to know about us and another thing that uh these people say is that these tribes who are uncontacted they it's not that they don't know about us like they don't know that there's uh, other people out there who have crazy technology they just don't interact with they just don't interact with us so yeah i don't know (laughs) I, i i am very curious though it We've talked about it before in other podcasts. We should definitely go check out Backyard Philosophy or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Of we as humans, occasionally in our genes, get the itch, the urge to explore, to find new lands. And I'm wondering if that happens the same with these isolated tribes. Like, uh, this is kind of a poor analogy. Like when the Amish, when they send their children out and they do Rumpel Spring, can never Rumspringer? Yeah, that, that, that. And a lot of them, well, not a lot of them, a good portion of them don't come back because they enjoy kind of and fall in love with the world and others go back because they miss it and it's kind of overwhelming. I'm wondering if that happens with untouched tribes. Now, granted, the population is probably way less, so to have a someone in your tribe that wants to be an explorer, who wants to climb the highest trees, who wants to venture beyond the known territory, that's got to be rare but i imagine that's got to happen now granted it's kind of hard to track through the jungle moving through all those plant lives sucks and it's so hard and it's so much physical work so i imagine that's a great deterrent but right nick there's got to be some tribe members who want to explore who will eventually or have run into outsiders yeah i mean 
I'm sure that I guess this is my now it's a relatively small population so maybe one let's say maybe 10% a year would like to go out and explore but it's not like Rumspringa where you can just you know you're within walking distance of, of this stuff or or a car ride or something like this is like you said a trek so even if you want to it how many what percent do you think would hike through the jungle i mean some of these people are way out there and then what, what you're getting to probably an, so another tribe and then maybe like some you know logging camp or something it's not like you're gonna walk to a major metropolitan area and then you don't have money you don't speak the language i mean it's got to be like that's just that'd be such an incredible journey I wonder if anyone's done it. I mean, I'm sure. I feel like we would I, know if someone has, right? I imagine someone has. I. Well, that's probably how untouched tribes become no longer untouched tribe. Someone in their own tribe goes out, finds some loggers, going like, "Hey, there are some weird motherfuckers out there wearing all these weird clothes. We should interact. We should go talk with them and mingle with them." And then that kind of builds from there. And yes, I, I would say the chances are kind of low because God damn walking through the jungle sucks it's do you know how many times in oregon i've heard the phrase man there's some weird motherfuckers wearing weird clothes in the woods (laughs) nick are you part of an untouched tribe no but there's a there's a lot of weird tribes here in oregon you could say (laughs) oh once i have really interesting relationships with horses that's for sure no that's enumclaw washington well, okay, Washington, Oregon, I, I always confuse those. But I imagine one out of, I don't know, 20 generations has to at least try. It has to at least try to make it out of the forest and try to find, you know, takes his, take the immediate family, so his wife and kids, and try to venture out and find new land. I mean, our ancestors did it, Why? and we're all related, so why would we imagine that's not going to happen the same? So maybe maybe that's how untouched tribes become back into the species. And it's small because, like you said, Nick, they're not making it to a metropolitan area or Rio Janeiro. They're meeting smaller local tribes, maybe a fishing tribe somewhere along the river. Or maybe they decided, you know what, I made this canoe. Let's just keep going down the river as far as we can go. And worst comes to worst, we'll hike back but they come across you know a fishing crew and they talk they trade fish and well they try to talk and then they go he goes back to his tribe and goes hey i met all these equal people and they that untouchedness dissipates i feel like that's probably happened quite a few times in history yeah i'm sure that uh i think that's a really good point i mean it's just the odds i'm just i feel like we would have heard about it maybe not well i'll be honest i don't know half what's happening in the world politics today and that's televised politics so hearing about some small fishermen's finding some tribe members that may or may not be untouched because they might not know if they're untouched if you're a tribe and you run into another tribe you might not know that tribe's not untouched maybe you just think they're in between or something might be hard to identify what an untouched tribe is unless we already know that they're an untouched tribe yeah that's true I guess it's not like we have a check mark like, check this box if you're from an uncontacted tribe. <laughs> oh God, man! They Nick, 
they might be the only people to beat the system of taxes because they're untouched so they don't have to pay taxes and that's the dream that's the dream on that note nick i don't got much left do you have anything to add on no i mean uh, i'm curious what after our discussion do you do you think we do some limited interaction or there's just nothing at all i guess case by case basis i'm still torn i mean i had you brought up a lot of points i didn't really think about but i still don't know where i stand i think if i had to make a a, a uh a game plan for myself for the tribes. I would say case by case scenario, but try to start interacting with most of them. Like maybe twenty five percent, like two out of ten tribes, you don't touch at all. You just observe, but the rest you start bringing in because that way you get the study. But you're still helping a large portion of tribes. So, kind of try to play the lesser of two evils, I guess. But that's. That's the only game plan I really got is see what the tribe is, see if they're going to go extinct or if they need help, and try to figure out a way because eventually, one way or the other, untouched tri- we might be living in the last era of untouched tribes, Nick. By the end of the 21st century, untouched tribes might no longer exist. Yeah, I think that's a very true statement. Before we end this, Mike, what are you reading? I... I'm reading Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. I just started it, and he's got a very interesting writing style, which I kind of appreciate. He kind of writes it, each chapter, as its own standby, so you don't have to follow the order. And what about you, Nick? What are you reading? I'm reading David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell, and it's basically, why do the underdogs win in history so many times? Sounds like a good read. It sounds like the underdog finally gets its due. Yep, it might be a perfect book for the uncontacted tribes. <laughs> but Nick, I imagine we've missed a lot of things and a lot of different ideas that we never even discussed. Where could people find us if they want to tell us their ideas and thoughts? You can find us on Instagram and YouTube. You know, Leave a comment anywhere. Subscribe. Send us a message. You can comment on the post. DM. Whatever you want to do. Nick just wants you to slide into his DMs, that's all. And... Nick, can they find us on Twitter? You cannot find us on Twitter. Why can't they find us on Twitter? I am struggling to come up with anything clever. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. Well, Nick, I have probably now more questions than I do answers, but I learned quite a little bit and definitely helped me with my thinking of how to interact with kind of just untouched, uncontacted people, let, let alone whether they're a tribe in the rainforest or a neighbor down the hallway of just trying to find common ground and communicate. It is crazy, my friend. And to all those listening, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram 